What's up, Spookbox? The only podcast that you let drown. The podcast you never paid any attention to. Look at what you did to our podcast. <laughs> How was that? <laughs> Great. Oh, thank you podcast, very much. Yeah. My poor podcast. Um, how is everyone this week? You go first. Oh, really? Okay. Well, I, was, I was just looking at Heather, but you mm. go first, Heather. Mm, yeah, just um, it's a pandemic, you know? Yeah, that it is. There's a pandemic. And, yeah. um I prefer it to the last one. The last pandemic or Spanish the last flu. film? Yeah. Oh. I mean, I think Spanish flu definitely. Obviously, Spanish flu had that, you know, sort of continental, continental vibe. vibe. Yeah, exactly. I but, think, uh, um, yeah, people are out and about having a good time, and they're, you know, quite happy about that. But I'm not happy about that. I'm quite grumpy about that, and I think that everyone should just be at home, listen to our podcast. So yeah, definitely. That's how I feel, to be honest. It's occurred to me that we probably have. T- enough episodes after this one that you could probably binge it oh yeah it's bingeable uh-huh. we should sell ourselves as a bingeable content manufacturer maybe we should hope that everyone that's been out partying and doing too much gets coronavirus so that they're stuck at home and have to binge our podcast disclaimer we do not hope that <laughs> i can't believe it's taken us this long for heather to, to <laughs> wish coronavirus to f <laughs> up in such a <laughs> huge way <laughs> Well, it's already happening. And just saying, like, it's pretty easy to avoid yeah. it. Yeah, you look, you, you're, sure. you're just saying Undo. that there could be positive outcomes to this at the end of the day. And that it's always important to look at the silver lining, such as 16 hours of uh, Spookbox <laughs> content readily available for you uh, to listen to on YouTube.com or a variety of different sources when I get off my lazy arse and upload them. I uh, don't know whether I'm, like, pro vr society then if if i'm thinking along these tracks right now like everything is dog shit but at least the media is good like doesn't that take you to the end point of like well it doesn't matter how bad anything gets just like go into your little virtual headset have you seen upgrade dav (laughs) upgrade no upgrade What's that? Uh, it's a word that makes my microphone uh, peak. Um, but other than that, it's also a film released by um, Blumhouse Pictures, uh, where a, a lad, unfortunately, um, uh, has a sore back, and he has to get a microchip stuck in his back, uh, and then he becomes like a cyborg. So it's Robocop. Uh, yeah. Cool. No, but um, it's, uh, there's a whole thing in it, um, but in uh, one part of the film, he turns to somebody and says, I just don't understand why somebody would choose VR over reality. Mm. But he did have a big, nice house and, and stuff. Like, those people were living in an abandoned flat block. Like, he oh, was assuming all realities are made equal, you know? He does choose Maybe that VR. was you know, stupid of him. He does. Aye. Oh, yeah, in the very end, but like... Spoilers. He doesn't really choose it. He just goes mad. But maybe that's all you can say about anyone that chooses I guess VR. what people don't know about us is that we're actually... Whenever we do podcasts, we do podcasts from, like, a warehouse on the outskirts <laughs> of the city. Sorry, I have to take my VR headset off. What was that you said? I couldn't See, hear you over the movie actually VR. reminded <laughs> the me VR. the most of The Matrix, like in terms of this person with like a maxed out. Sorry, I can't VR now. I'm wearing a towel. Physicality. 
and being chased by like these agents that are overpowered in this like sci-fi world but the way that they realize the sci-fi world i think is actually pretty classy for like someone trying to do like 30 years in the future from now yeah. maybe 20 years in the future from now and a realistic but like grungy sci-fi aesthetic it, it was pretty cool yeah. sorry did i not watch the right film this no <laughs> this isn't the film we're talking about i just don't <laughs> want to talk about the episode f- film so that was uh that was heather's week in our nutshell um <laughs> that's uh, a lot more of that content available on heather's separate podcast uh, a, a week in my life by sci-fi things that are cool <laughs> Bye, Heather. Uh, Dav, do you want to chime in with how your week was, or how my week was? Uh, it's been fine. I've I've been I've been all over. Oh it, yeah, safe. Well, social dist social distancing to a degree. As much as Megabus as much, allows. As much as Megabus allows. Um, but I'm back, baby. I'm back. Yeah. I'm badder than ever. It's I don't great, like great. talking back. about ourselves. Can we talk about the film? Uh, you're a Why VR person. As soon as I start talking about myself, you're like, I don't like talking about myself. No, I just I want us to remain anonymous, and now I'm worried that you've revealed you take the mega bus. Somebody, some crazed fan, no, might no, just we, might we jump because some of us don't take it apparently. No, but that makes you vulnerable to the internet. I'm scared for you. Hey, look, if someone wants to jump me on a mega bus, <laughs> that was gonna look, happen. I've got a death wish. Do either it. way. <laughs> Cool. Whether or not you told yeah. people about it. Great. Another person yeah. is jumping me. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, the third person this third week person. This is, great. is jumping me on a megabus. You did the Denzel, but on a megabus. Exactly, yeah. Do it. Do it. It's not that your week's boring, my dear friend. It's just that I don't want you to make yourself vulnerable to people because apparently I'm this much of a misandrist today. So My week enough. was my week was poor. I had a I basically took a week off work. Um but it's one of those things where I didn't really know how to take a week off work when I'm already working from home. Just kind of like, I don't know, what do I do? Just set, set an out-of-office email saying, I feel sick. I don't know. It was very strange. It was unusual. I played it badly, but... Uh, Were you sick? Yeah, well, I was... My my heart was sick. Uh, uh, I hear you. I'm lazy. I hear you. Basically. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, as I'm sure everybody can guess from that introduction... Uh, this week we're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, the 1980 movie by Sean S. Cunningham, the man behind Friday the 13th. Um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't really do a lot else. Um, I actually think this film is quite interesting for a couple of reasons. Um, one reason is that it was just made off the back of Halloween. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, Sean Two Cunningham... Two years between them, maybe? One Something year. Something like that? One yeah, year. one year, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, Cunningham has admitted in uh, interviews, not admitted, I mean, admit sounds like it's something to hide. He's quite readily volunteered the information that um, his inspiration for this film came from seeing the box office from Halloween coming back saying, that movie's making a lot of money, let's rip it off. Uh, And that is a direct quotation. Had he not done much of anything else before He had made um, an, an an edutational uh, oh, okay. erotic film uh, called oh, The Art of Marriage I'm pretty sure it's called um, so it's like you know like The Joy of Sex sure yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so it's, it's educational so you're telling me that erotica. he went from one rip off to the other that's a hilarious joke uh, unfortunately I don't get it um, but nonetheless the idea that he would make The Art of Marriage as a rip off of The Joy of Sex I see and then he would make I apologize for my lack of intelligence. Um, 
Yeah, no, I think it's also interesting because um, this was Kevin Bacon's second film. Mm. Second film. Yeah, which is quite good. Uh, after... I think he did pretty bad having, like, a yellow body with a pink face. <laughs> like, I think he should have tried to do something about that was when he got murdered. yellow? What are you talking about? It was a fake body, but no, I'm blaming oh, Kevin for that. Oh, fuck. <laughs> That wasn't very good when he was like pink and yellow. Well, apparently he said that it's the photograph that people get him to sign his autograph on the most. Is that that shot? Is that shot of him with the arrow through his neck? And he said he used to find it funny, but now he's starting to find it kind of creepy. He gets stabbed with a knife through the bed. No, apparently it's an arrow. arrow. It it doesn't look like a knife. It looks like something else. It looks sort of more ornate than a knife. Right. Because it's the tip of an arrow. An arrowhead. Right. Right. Mm. An arrowhead. Yes, that's that's what the scientists call it. That's that's I wonder if people after seeing it had like fear lying in their bed that there was... um, (laughs) something under their bed gonna yeah, probably. put an arrow through them yeah. I, wonder I, if I think so that. yeah sure. i think i saw this film when i was far too young to see this film and i'm, I'm pretty sure that i was you afraid were worried of, about that yeah mm. but i think i was afraid of a lot of those kinds of things for unrelated reasons uh wait no that sounded really weird <laughs> were they, did sound really weird were the goosebumps books out uh, by 1980 R.S. Or were they more of an, I can't a 90s imagine they would have been i think they would have so. been more late 80s it's very yeah. like yeah. A, a goosebumps book well or the movie that starts murdered with an arrowhead no like the, I think the that was actually, you know, there actually, is a goosebumps book about like a ghost in a summer camp pond lake whatever like a, a haunting thing it's weird because it would be the least creative rl stein story because like the <laughs> thing about rl stein stories is that there's always like a thematic thing it's like it's yeah. a puppet mm. oh yeah yeah a garbage ghost mm. because he felt like garbage yeah, probably. Yeah, but there then because being like a, a teenager is hard. Lake so, ghost. Because I like would have read that as a kid and then saw Friday the Thirteenth and now I'm just like, oh, this is like a bad Goosebumps movie. Like, right? Oh, I'm gonna get that in a wee second. Um, so just to say that, yeah, we're looking at uh, we're looking at uh, 1980s Friday the Thirteenth, and um, yeah, there was one last thing that I want to say about it. I think this film's quite interesting because it is actually one of the first independent films uh to have been distributed by uh, a large distributor so it's kind of um the 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 progenitor of uh blumhouse pictures which you know we have a kind of love-hate relationship is it a blumhouse no no it's it's like the 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 precursor Mm. to it you know it's jason blum has kind of followed this as a a guide to making money and success so it was just the director's sort of production company type thing not yeah, even a just, production company just, just like it. i made a movie who's going to distribute this movie? i wonder if i can rent a camera yeah. yeah i don't know whether it's because i've been desensitized but it wasn't that thrilling to me like it was kind of lethargic and boring um well, i was just about to ask uh, for people's general <laughs> opinions so i'm starting to believe that we now have a telepathic bond i mean i'm a bit, I'm a bit freaked out um so your general opinion on the film is not seeming great yeah Oh dear. Not a big fan of not what a big about you, Dan? fan day the thirteenth. You know, it's a very hard film to watch because it's it is something that has been parodied so many times. So I hadn't seen it until we watched it the other night together. Right, right, right. And it's something that has been parodied so many times and you sort of know the beats, you know. You yeah. get the trope of the sort of the attractive young people slowly being picked off one by one. Which is not really what happens in Halloween. Unless I'm remembering incorrectly. 
Hmm. Halloween is more a movie about um, what's his face, Mask Man, Michael Myers. Michael Myers is sort of Mike Myers, not relationship, but I don't know. It's it's all sort of the things that that Myers does are all viewed through the sort of perspective of Jamie Lee Curtis's character. Yes, whereas. There isn't as much of a there psychological... There isn't as much of it. No, there's, there isn't as much of a psychological impact in this in Friday the 13th. I think that you could look at maybe the the way... Like, you could dig into it and find, like, the way that the greatest generation deal with what we would now call the baby boomers, but they're teenagers in this movie. Mm. Like, that um, friction between the the two generations. Like, oh, yes, how yes, yes. in the very start... Um, the, the young girl that's traveling to be Annie. the cook at the camp, Annie, is oh, like no, hold on. talked down to by the older people in the town, the older guy in the, the truck. The guy who drives it. Yes, yeah, it and then the, there's a, a very much a dismissiveness to these young people trying to enter the economy. Yeah, yes. Because they're seen to also be enjoying themselves, mm. and that isn't expected. So there, there's kind of some cool stuff. Stuff. and i feel like generational friction yeah and i feel like that's what the movie's about especially yeah, because like the mum is the murderer like yeah. and she Spoilers. feels disappointed by that generation and their lack of attention and work ethic mm-hmm. as far as yeah. she's concerned yeah oh well, wow that's, that's a really good reading actually what i was gonna say oh, cool. about the film is that i was surprised because it is something that that is basically a punchline it's it's sort of a punchline in our culture today a little oh, okay. bit the slasher movie i think yeah you watch it ironically it's fun to watch you okay. know the beats you know what's going to happen but what i was surprised about the film is how still a lot of the scenes were yeah there was sort of a real dare i say it artfulness yep to a lot of it um i don't know i i found those sort of first person perspective bits and there were quite a few of them in the film oh yeah where people are being watched nothing new about that but i did find them very tense yeah, I think you can generally trace that first-person camera stuff back to, um, well, it depends how far back you want to go, but generally um, people would point to uh, a, a I want to say Hitchcock. Yeah, but there's a sequence in a Hitchcock sure. film. And then there's some stuff by, like, Ziga Vertov and other Russian filmmakers that did weep as the first-person stuff. But Were they used to sort of instill a sort of sense of fear, a sense that people were being watched by an unseen presence? Yes. Do you think? So they have been... So, yeah, I figured yeah, as yeah, much yeah. they had been used to sort of convey that in the past. Yeah, the way Hitchcock did it, I can't remember what film it's in now, but the way Hitchcock did it, he actually even had a, a gun at the bottom of the screen. Right. It's made, it looked very much like a... Big Doom fan. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I do feel a wee bit... I feel a bit outnumbered uh, because I'm going to go ahead and say that I really like this film. I, I think I really like this film because in, in my mind it now stands out because it um but by, by virtue of being I think a bit rubbish mm-hmm. when it was first released. Uh you know, it doesn't have a lot in the way of And that was the consensus when it was first released that it was Criti- a critically bit rubbish. Uh, critically it was um you got mixed reviews, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, I think some people understood what it was trying to be you know, it's sort of teen slasher film, even though that genre was very much in its infancy. Mm. You know, people got what it was uh, intended or who it was intended for. And, and when it was understood, it was kind of like, yeah, this is, you know, this is what it is. And then other people that were holding it up to, you know, films of the time 
you know art films of the time were saying you know this is trash cinema mm. you know this is violent uh, sexualized gore trash um I, I and i think with that in mind and considering um the sort of lack of emphasis on plot and how mm. you don't really know why anyone is dying until the end but but you also don't have characters constantly asking you know why are we dying you know, who's killing mm. us yeah. you know no, nobody you don't have to, a jamie lee curtis in the, yeah in there's the there's not much in the way of exposition or mm. you know or perspective to really go for um and i think seeing that uh, at the time you probably would have thought that's details that we could have done with but these days because i think it is easier to make a film that has a lot in the way of exposition and that tries to hold the hand of the audience so much i found this to be kind of a breath of fresh air mm. i i loved that it's almost uh soporific as a film you know there's this real sense of just it, it just going through the motions it's not trying to keep up with you or trying to you know sure. keep you informed as to what was happening and I, I just really enjoyed it um which i wasn't so which i wasn't expecting i sort of see that i think it's a hard thing to it's probably a hard thing to view the film in that sense because you do understand i think i feel like the film conveys very clearly that at least to some extent it didn't have that sort of guiding principle of like should we be asking why these people are dying should people be should should more drama be happening? Yeah, essentially, yeah. right. And I kind of love that about it. There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, I, I understand the where you're coming the, from. Um, the director was just kind of going, uh, "Okay, next scene." Like, the, go on ahead. Oh, yeah. No, I was just going to say, like, I definitely expected from like the first part of the film that the cook that was traveling to the camp was going to have more agency. Was maybe going to like fight the. Um, the mom like yeah, yeah, exactly. i thought that she was going to be well i thought she was going to be the be person character. to take us through it. i thought she was going to be a character <laughs> and then when she just got papped off i was like this is quite a strange it's film a weird movie like yeah it's like that's were, unusual isn't it's it it's like they filmed it as they were going and then he just went uh yeah kill her now <laughs> because she was the person that we kind of I guess it's just like the the bias for like the first piece of information, but she was the first character, yeah. so you assume she's going to be the Jamie Lee Curtis or whatever. Watching mm. it this and time, then, I I could have sworn that she was the the final girl. You know, I could have sworn that she was. Um, da, 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 we end up learning her name later. It is Alice. Alice. She has a bob. Well, it does make n- no she no no. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, sorry, you thought that the cook was going to be the final girl like me, but the actual yes. final girl is... Is she called Alice? Yes. Oh, right, okay. So, so what, I thought you were going to so tell me Annie, the name of the cook. Annie. Is Annie, Annie is the right. first character. Yeah, yeah, no, but it it doesn't seem immediately obvious that Alice is going to be the final girl, but then from what little we yeah. do see of those teenagers, it becomes clear that she's the most, like, prudish. Mm. Um, there's something different about her. She's not as like sexually active. So then, yeah. that sure, is, is the trope scene, of the final girl, isn't where it? That's made explicit. I think when they're playing in, the strip yeah. monopoly, and she does, she's surprised and doesn't actually take yeah, it yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know? I just realised we, uh, I haven't actually done the uh, the plot summary. Right. Oh Jesus! <laughs> 20, 20 minutes in, no plot summary. Oh my gosh! Well, right. I mean, you know the plot, right? Unless you want to, like... I'm really, really proud of my plot summary for this one, actually. We could... It's full of zingers. We'll fix it in post. Oh, no, I'm going to hit it now. Just, uh, I think the, the conversation was just so riveting for the first 20 minutes that uh, this is the right moment to have it. So here we go. Everybody ready for a plot summary? All right. Absolutely. 
The movie begins with a brief flashback. In 1958, two camp counsellors at the all-American Camp Crystal Lake are murdered by an unseen assailant. Flashing forward to the present day, presumably Friday the 13th, 1979, the newest batch of camp counsellors are making their way to the campsite. We are first shown the ill-fated journey of Annie Phillips, who hitchhikes most of the way to the camp with a truck driver who lets her know about the camp's troubled past. In 1957, Annie is told, a young boy drowned in the lake. Since then, the camp has held the reputation for being haunted. Annie attempts to hitch another ride, but meets an unfortunate end when the second driver chases her into the woods and murders her. Okay, so all, so all, all good so far, right? Very, uh, according to the numbers. At the camp, the other six counsellors and the camp's new owner attempt to ready the site for the coming campers. The Joker, Ned, Sensible Bill, Curly-haired Marcy and um, tall Brenda and the very Kevin Bacony Jack uh, and the eventual final girl Alice are given various tasks by the owner Steve, who then promptly leaves to go get supplies. Left to their own devices, the counsellors quickly give in to their earthly vices, pranking one another, playing strip monopoly, uh, having sex and murdering a poor, defenseless, real-life snake. Oh, fuck that. That's why I hate this film. They kill a a real snake in this film. This film... Is cancelled. Is (laughs) cancelled. Snake liberation. Fuck Friday the 13th. Don't tread on me? (laughs) (laughs) Is that what you're saying? Oh, 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 God. Obviously enraged by the murder of a defenseless snake... An unseen murderer, presumably the same murderer that killed Annie earlier, I don't know, maybe Annie killed a snake and we just didn't see it, uh, picks off the campers one by one, displaying an almost otherworldly degree of force. Annie, uh, alone, manages to survive and believes she is saved when a kindly older lady, Mrs. Voorhees, comes to rescue her. However, there is no such luck. Mrs. Voorhees explains that it was her child, Jason, who was drowned in 1957 as a result of counsellor neglect, and she has since been preventing the campsite from reopening in order to protect her son. She attempts to kill Alice, but is easily subdued. Alice takes Mrs. Voorhees' machete from her and decapitates the middle-aged murderer at the side of Crystal Lake. Relieved to be safe, Alice, bizarrely, paddles herself in a boat out into the middle of the lake to wait for sunrise. When sunrise comes, however, she is pulled into the water by a twisted and seemingly zombified Jason. She awakes later in a hospital ward and is told that she was pulled out of the water by police who were unable to find anyone else at the scene. Jason, it would seem, is still alive and thirsty for a sequel. Do you know what? How about ten of them? I don't know what. Did you not feel a sense that the camp owner was going to be the murderer in the beginning. Like, there was a lot of hints pointing to him because he was missing. Oh, sorry, you thought this movie was going to make sense. But I think he is the true villain because <laughs> he was just so... Cut, just because... He's the owner, so he was negli- He was the real one that was negligent when Jason died. Then on oh, the no, night sure, where he's he- only like 25 or something. He bought it. He's a Johnny-come-lately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He What's only, he only bought it. As in like, uh, he's, he's just a year or something. Probably. But 
Anyway, you're saying this spiritually. Died ago. Spiritually, it's his oh, fault. Oh, he represents he, the sort of almost like, ownership. You know, he's the ownership the of it, of and he's negligent because he runs off the night that they're all getting murdered. Which and is hilarious. Is no. Oh, it's great. I love how we just follow him the whole time. I mean, arguably, bar, it's worse. <laughs> To leave all your staff on the most dangerous night of the year that you know and let them all get murdered than to miss a boy drowning. Like, I think that he is the worst person ethically, but then doesn't get any of the, like, vitriol from Jason's mum. It's really weird. Like, why is... Like, Jason's mum's hate for teenagers is... Yeah, he's slightly older. What the film is so scary about. So she doesn't care... No, nah, she just kills him at a, a, a victory killing. I think I don't know. She was just like victory she, lap. She was just focused on her no, her un- KD at that stage. <laughs> it's unjust to punish like the most vulnerable workers than the boss who was just as negligent. Right. Yeah. That's my feeling. I like it. We've so we've have a Marxist reading of Friday the Thirteenth. <laughs> I'm really enjoying this. And um, what we're here for, really? Yeah, the Karens just like. I was wondering when that was going to come up. You know, it, it. she's got the haircut. She has. She has a complaint. And she <laughs> she has, like, a disproportionate emotional reaction to... Like, even with her son drowned, it's like... It's relative to... Okay, so that's pretty bad. Your son drowned in my workplace. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Like, can we help? She just chops everyone's head off, like... To me, that's still too extreme. Do you know what I mean? It's always too much. It's too much. Put it's it- an overreaction, <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Well, so I want to know then about Karen Voorhees. Um, do we think that she did the killing or did someone else do do the murders? I know this is a bit cinema sins. This is a bit too focused on I text. But I we to didn't s- literally see her do it. I want to softball it in. Well, she... <laughs> How how does Karen chuck a fully grown teenage girl she, through a window? What's that about? I I look. I'm not trying to cinema sins this one up. I'm not trying to. Maybe say, it's just know. me. Yeah, but we watched this film right after I got back from a, a long journey. Yep. And quite frankly, I fell asleep at the end, so I don't remember. <laughs> it all is of soporific. It. Yeah, I don't remember all of it, but. I'm almost happier that I don't remember all of it because some of this is coming. As I enjoyed it, some of it is sure. <laughs> I honestly, I can't tell you what Karen Voorhees looks like. Carol, oh, uh, pa- Pamela, Pamela. Well, she's just I called Mrs. Voorhees. In I this could film, not yeah. tell you what the, Mrs. Voorhees. The thing like. is, right? She did have to do a lot of heavy lifting. So, oh yeah. So we'll just get you up to speed with that. Like she even moves when the corpses enter her car. To oh, surprise Alice, yeah, like yeah. when Alice goes to use her car when it's left there, like she was doing a lot of like. She's got a great sense of humor. Lugging weight about. I love the idea. She's in her fifties. I love so. the idea of of her killing. Um, she she kills Alice in the no. Uh, she kills Annie in the mm. woods, and so Annie's dead, and she's going right, brilliant. Okay, well that's one less teenager to infect Jason with sin or something i don't know whatever mental thought she has yeah. I, well actually i think she does jason's voice so she's probably like yes mommy you killed another one or something you know like that mm. um but do not recall this 
<laughs> oh no, this, this is me making this up. Okay. So so she killed Annie, and then she's <laughs> no, I she's think like, she does talk to herself. Oh as no, but Jason. She, she definitely talks to herself as Jason. I'm not mm. making that, but but no, I'm just imagining a scene where she's killed Annie, and mm. she's in the middle of the woods, and she's thinking like, right, well, I should probably just bury her or something. And then another voice in her head goes, No, do you know what would be hilarious? It'd be so funny if I drove up. And Annie was in the car, and then whoever's left tries to get in my car to leave. And was then it the Annie? Corpse is I there. thought it was one of the guys. <laughs> That'll be hilarious. I thought it was Kevin Bacon that was in the car. No, no, it's Annie. It's uh, yeah, okay. it's the first, mm. the first victim. Um, mm. Which I don't know. Maybe she just took her out of the woods because she didn't want to get caught by the police. But again, I'm doing cinema sins here, trying to apply logic well, to a film well, that this, is well, illogical. Then, but so the whole town know about this murder spree this annual murder spree like all of the middle-aged folk in the middle of the town and they try to warn annie about it and they're clearly like complicit with it because though they try oh, to man, warn I've never her thought of it that way they they don't stop it like it happens every year god it's only the crazy guy that says don't go up there all the middle-aged folk are like like yeah it's pretty wild you know the, the tr- they the, must be complicit the truck driver tells her to quit her. The truck driver says, I like, suppose. you should quit. Don't do this job, you know. So, I don't know. Maybe they're all, like... Right, it's, okay. it's probably the difference between, like, believing that something is corrupt. Or, like, you know, on the business end of, right. of Camp Crystal Lake. Like, bumping up against this actual... The, 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 the guy who says, there's a death curse. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, ah, there's not death curse. They're just, like, shitty. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it is quite a good bit when he's like, oh, you should quit. And she's like, I can't. I need to work. I'm like, now imagining a version of like Marx and Engels where, you know, uh, Engels is saying like, yeah, there's some difficulties. You know, there are problems with the current capitalist economic system. And then Marx cuts in. It's a death curse. <laughs> I'm calling it a death curse. I'm li- 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 I'm using the word vampiric. <laughs> I do <laughs> on purpose. Like, they're vampires. Really they're literally for vampires. Reading actually, like okay. So then, if it if it's not actually Karen doing the murdering, then she's like murdering their ability to like have a career. You know, <laughs> a career, like a job. Like they're just all there to to work and yeah, in yeah, fairness, maybe I think enjoy doing, themselves. I think they're doing unpaid internship type work as, yeah, as well. I think it's like <laughs> quote unquote character building. You know yeah, I mean? they get to stay at the camp, but no, right? Okay, I'm gonna They're throw not it. paid. I, I, so. I kind of doubt it. Like yeah. it's it's almost like a festival kind of deal. Camp it's America. like if you work if you work a festival, you don't have to pay to get in, but you know you don't get paid to work there. Yeah, the price that, that you are paid. A I got ticket. that vibe. I disagree. I think they are paid because Annie's talking about. Oh, I need to go. Like it's a job. I need to do it. No, like, but I think I think that's to be read as being like. You know, young people wanting to have experiences. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's like, a deleted I'm have experiences at the same time get work experience. It's a deleted scene of Annie filling in her uh, <laughs> filling in a P40, her, her P40, P40. <laughs> <laughs> getting her CCD checks and stuff. Yeah, exactly. You know, like, <laughs> um, sorry, <laughs> no, I just I think that would be an interesting scene to include in a film like this. Uh, you know, make it very clear. Um, but. Moving slightly on from this, I do think that I am going to have a slight temper tantrum if I don't get to voice my opinion that I think it was Jason doing the killings the whole time. How? Because he's like a big zombie thing. I don't know. I know he's a zombie because you think he's magic. Yeah, because he's magic. So how else is somebody getting chucked through a window unless there's like 
I don't know. Maybe his maybe Mrs. Voorhees can like channel his zombie strength or something. But I don't know. It's still magic. It's still mad. There's 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 magic afoot. I suppose if you think about the word murder weapons and them being arrows, like Jason would be the person they're to have all, they're all a camp. relationship with those Ooh. objects. Yeah, they're all like camp things. As opposed to his mother, who probably has nothing to do with the camp. Really. She's a cook, so she would have like fed oh, them too much chili and stuff. Yeah, that's right. They're not really mm. cook themed murders. They're not cook themed <laughs> murders. They're like <laughs> that one's being bashed by a ladle. Child at camp murder, exactly. Yeah. Bat, what other... You know, carrot stuffed in the... Mouth. Uh, yeah, that was... I was going to nah, go for eyes, and then I thought that was, good. like, quite meat, vicious. Meat grinder, that's a, very, that's, that's a classic. I guess she does... In the meat grinder. Yeah, I mean, she could have used a meat cleaver. That would have sure, been... Sure, meat cleaver. Chef-themed. Yeah. Wearing a big chef hat. Um... I feel like Heather. I feel like you're kind of stuck on the on the like uh, capitalistic Marxist reading of this film, and don't want to really veer off track from that. Like you're pretty sure this is a, a movie that is simply anti Karens. Um, all right, fine. You guys don't seem convinced that Jason did it, but I, I'm going to no, take I that do. one. I'm saying the weapons match up. I'm going to take that one to my grave anyway. But I don't think there's any more evidence than that. What I was going to get at with me falling asleep in the film oh yeah was that it means that the film was this beautiful experience where i didn't really know who the murderer was but i knew enough about friday the 13th to know that jason is the villain of the franchise yeah so i the feeling i got was that you know it, it was magic that in a yeah. sense that it was sort of i so i like this idea that jason did it Thank because you. I, I forget where i fell asleep but the moment i woke up was when the final girl was out on the lake and the the, Mm. the, the zombified corpse. Yeah, the the, the jump scare. So at whatever point I fell asleep, probably the murders were still happening, to be honest. (laughs) There was a hospital scene? Where does the hospital scene come in? That's the very last scene. That's the very last scene. Okay. So I must have fallen asleep somewhere and I woke up in this beautiful... Like you kind of woke up with her, yeah. Lake. Oh right, like, yes, with the with the phaser over the end. Of yeah, the, with the phaser. Yeah. Wow. Well, actually, did we work out that it was a phaser or a flanger? I don't know. My guess is on flanger, but I've got terrible hearing. Right. Um. So I don't know. There's something like that was like almost sort of a magical quality to the film for me. Yeah, I, guess. I think that was I missed like the, the part where things were explained. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, I will disagree with you only slightly and say that I think that in Friday the Thirteenth, Mrs. Voorhees is the murderer. But that scene is so great that following from that, the franchise decided to make Jason the magical, spiritual villain of every subsequent film because people were kind of like, eh, about the Mrs. Voorhees thing. But I think that within Friday the 13th as a text, she is the villain. Do you, do you know what the actress said about the film? What? What? She said, um, I got the script. I thought, this is bullshit. No <laughs> one's ever going to see this but I'll be able to buy a new car. What, the actress that played Jason's mum? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She thought it was just terrible, so she phoned this one in. It was very, yeah, unbelievable. Right. Going to switch gear here. Uh, What's the film's stance on teenage sexuality? Um... I don't feel like that's coming too far out of left field. I think it's like no. I think that that's you know that that's a fairly common reading of the film, and that you know the, the kids are being killed off as some kind of penance for yeah i'll extend that to all playing games general sinful behavior i think that it is um definitely focused on teenage sexuality 
but I don't know whether it's condemning it because, you know, like I said, Mrs. Warheaves only has a grievance against their work ethic. Hmm. Maybe that is relational to their, like, extracurricular sex, but <laughs> I don't <laughs> think she... Just boosting our GPA. <laughs> I don't think that she, like, is really that focused on that element. However, the film as a whole is. And I feel like it's saying, oh, teenage sex, isn't it great? Look at their beautiful bodies. Don't you want to be a part of it? Like, I feel like that's what the film's saying. Mm. I don't think it's condemning them, actually. I think that's it's, like, voyeuristic. Really I think it's voyeuristic <laughs> and it's kind of like... Yeah, I think... It I, wants to be involved in that sort of world, agree. even though they're getting picked off. That is the sense that you get... There is a sense that you get watching the film that, you know, in making it, they were trying to, you know, sell the film with, with sex, really. For right. sure, yeah. There, there yeah. is that. You do. You do definitely get that sense. I don't think they're trying to make it look bad. Like I think they're trying to exactly make it. If a it was, point. if it was supposed to be condemning of sort of teenage sexuality, then what would that's, it look that's like? That's a complete. No, but that, but that's that like that would be a complete accident. Essentially, they thought let's right. have all the murder scenes happen at a time when all of the teenagers are like really getting it on. Yeah. And that'll be funny. And like, yeah. we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll have the sex and the gore. I think it was really out of touch for sure. And I think that's why it, it's not condemning it because I don't think that it, it has the goal to do almost. it. Like yeah. the way that um, the girl, the character that's with Kevin Bacon, like runs all the way in a torrential storm to the toilet block to pee after having sex with him is so unbelievable. I'm like, a teenager would never, like, they would just piss outside the door. Like, they're in a forest. Like, why would she run all the way in a rainstorm to the toilet block just to do I would a pee? go to the bathroom. Wouldn't you go to the bathroom, Dave? No comment. Uh, um, maybe this is just me, but I'm like, why would she be... I'm scared of peeing outside. I hate peeing outside. I don't what know. They're, cam- there? they're campers. <laughs> and it's just a pee. It's just a number one. Like, it just seems mad to it's me. It's a tinkle. That, that, you know, that it's, it's not character driven. It's plot driven. It's to get her alone in the toilet block for her toilet murder. Uh. But it doesn't seem to know teenagers as far as... Yeah. I think, like, I don't oh, think a teenager would be hold with with doing that. I think it is easy to be angry with the film as well for that for that because, uh, you know, if it if it wouldn't have been for Friday the Thirteenth, then we wouldn't have gotten something like Cabin Fever, which is sort of kind of unforgivably exploitative, really. Hmm. So Cabin I, Fever. I'm, trying the, to I mean, I'm talking enough. about the Eli Roth 2005. I mean, you've said Cabin Fever, like and all I have now is. Muppets Treasure Island in my head. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of Cabin in the Woods. Which is, yeah, that's, yeah, just, which is awesome. Which is a good yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it, is it a satire okay. of Cabin Fever? Let me, let me, let me, nope. let me just... Uh, it's uh, a satire of Evil Dead. Try and um, like that, yeah. g- sort of amalgamate your opinions here. So what you're saying is um, the, the film does not condemn uh, teenage sexuality. I think what I'm saying is that... It maybe it, almost it, celebrates... I don't, I don't think... It celebrates it in the sense that it believes that it's going to put bums on will, seats. Yeah, bums on seats, precisely. And it uses it as a plot vehicle, I wish. whether it relates to the character 
or not so it's not a character driven story at all it's trash but it's like oh maybe they could be having sex here and that gets them to alone it just uses it as a way to separate characters out i don't think it's really trying to say okay. anything about sex although clearly connor is setting this up yes to blow everyone's mind ensnare you and i sure. think it has worked go on then go <laughs> on then hit me <laughs> so I, then- I don't want to come across as puritan though i don't want to be like yes it's Sorry. condemning it that's there because i don't think that's in the text so then are you maybe saying <laughs> i'm not saying way, it's not in the, i'm not saying it's not in the text i don't know if it is. that's not what i'm saying but anyway. Oh, okay, in terms on. of their intentions, though. It's yeah. like these people right. don't want sorry, their mind sorry, to be sorry, blown. Sorry, Come go. on, blow my mind. How, how, uh, if I don't get to show how smart I am to the people most important to me, I actually break out in hives. <laughs> um, no, so here it is, right? So you, what you're saying then that it's not condemning sex. So if it's not condemning sense, if there's no se- sense of kind of guiltiness to the sex being shown on screen... You know, because it's just Kevin Bacon and his his wee girlfriend and their teenagers, and look at them there, looking all lithe. Mm. Remember when you were thin? (laughs) No. No. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So you know, there's this kind of guilt-free aspect. Maybe when you're thin, you do go to the outdoor toilet, but when you've got a wee bit extra chunk, you're like, I can't make it. (laughs) Maybe that's why. Maybe she would. Maybe I just can't even understand a teenage girl anymore. (laughs) Enough of this foolishness. Sorry. I need to focus on this because I'm about to mention Laura Mulvey. And so what I'm going to say is if there's no... (laughs) Saw that theory coming a mile away. If there's no guilt in the depiction of sex, well then doesn't this manage to sidestep the female... No, bloody hell. The male gaze. Is this not a depiction of sexuality on screen that is out with the male gaze? I just thought that was kind of interesting. Out with meaning, yeah, um, meaning that you mean, it, you mean it's sort of sidesteps, attempts to sidestep, not attempts, to not sidestep, attempts, but, but, but no, yeah, yeah, we've established that it hasn't attempted to do that, but and maybe I, I want to hear more. I want to hear it. more. I want to hear you know, more. Maybe that's how you do it. Yeah, okay. That by that by having the sex scene just being filmed by a bonehead with one camera mm-hmm. maybe that's what it is because you know you don't get into that that voyeuristic scopophilia that comes from uh you know having characters l- looking at other characters right i don't think it's in the sex scene but i think that the male gaze is just about everywhere else in the film uh, but it's maybe it. just through budget concerns that it's not in the sex scene like you said <laughs> but it's absolutely all over the rest of the film but i yeah. just have come to know that as what a film is if you see what i mean well where just just to be clear for everybody else where is it else in the film? i think that it's in the dock scene when they're going swimming together um oh that's a good point maybe but i was going to say when annie is going into the cafe to ask for directions. I feel like she's looked at oh, that's very by good. a lot of people yes. and she's vulnerable. And then maybe she looks back at like one person and, and then good. says, can I, can I get help? And he's like, I'll drive you. Yes. Um, in the car, he's like consistently looking at her like side on. Yeah. And then she's kind of looking back and he's like you know you shouldn't go or he's telling her what to do and she's kind of like 
the, I feel like the camera's also slightly pointed down at her. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I would say, so it starts really male-gazy. Okay, I, so, I, so, I'm, so I'm curious, like, is it possible that these sorts of scenes and the scenes that you have in your mind, Connor, are sort of conversing with each other, in a sense? Well, yeah, that's well, kind well, of... Well, what I think is it's a boomer gaze. Boomer gaze! <laughs> <laughs> and then that's why the... You've got the, to stop coming up with zingers like the, that. The teenage sex scene has this equilibrium because they're the same age and no one's looking down on each other it's only when the boomers are looking down well they're not boomers like i said they're the greatest generation but blah blah blah, blah. to use contemporary vernacular just the way that the boomers are looking at the millennials is the subjugating gaze in this film i really like the idea it's a boomer gaze <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> and love, sex actually levels levels things out it's it's really interesting actually this that whole that dialogue and um, i do love the idea though that the male boneheaded filmmaker like doesn't even know when he then like defaults into the male gaze like you know we're saying that you know uh, conningham is not the brightest tool in the shed and so when he's going like well the the truck driver's taller so let's put the camera up slightly yeah, 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 yeah. and have it looking down at the girl what's wrong with that because he's a bigger man that won't change the emotion of the scene at all but the way cameras work it makes her look smaller and it's kind of imposing and a bit frightening nah <laughs> he's not he's to, he's like, it's guy. like we are him and we're in the and then also we are her <laughs> And she's vulnerable, like all of that comes into play. Yeah, and, and I see, like schooling her, like yeah. yeah. I actually like the gaze. the male the male gaze reading of her at the very beginning of the movie mm. best because that's when she's you know fully clothed. You mm. know that's when she is you know least an object of sexual desire, and yet the way the film is shot, it, it you know constant she is constantly being watched by the camera you know and then therefore the, the the surrogate audience and then she meets the gaze of various other watching men the, the the crazy guy the the truck driver and so there is this um lascivious i don't even know if that's the right word there's a lecherous yeah. like element yeah. to the start mm, of the film exactly but I she's think constantly so. smiling back at the camera which is why i wanted her to be the heroine of the creepy, film creepy, creepy. because she's like uh, she just seems impenetrable to it. Yes. Like she's kind of like, well, I won't behave any differently to you. Like I'm not going to show that you've unsettled me or rattled me. Yeah. Like I thought she seemed like a really cool character. Yeah, and then she died. But then that that whole part of the you know of being being down with the gaze. You know, that's the whole part of it that you that the uh Mulvey describes the, that part as like facilitating that scopophilic desire you know that 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 men have this inbuilt uh, guilt that comes from sexual objectification and that they they internalize this idea that women are almost facilitating that guilty pleasure mm. thing that comes with it but it's all mental and freudian and weird but i wanted to stick with this mental freudian weirdness and tell you we thought that i had then mm. about the sex scene which I th again i think is really interesting that we we say that the the point where characters are most sexual is where it's where the film is least playing into these laura mulvey-esque paradigms yeah yeah it seems kind of cool. egalitarian in the sex scene like the camera well i was wondering what you would think about the audience 
of the film. Yeah. Then, you know, inhabiting that space of watching the couple having sex and, you know, understanding that a lot of the point of these B... Well, not that this is a B movie because it was released, you know, through a major uh, distributor and all the rest of it, but, you know, B movies from the 50s onwards had this reputation of just getting teenagers out of the house and giving them a place to go and basically make out. Mm -hmm. So there are teenagers in an audience watching these other teenagers making, making out, having sex, and then knowing that you know and but you know you've gone to a slasher film mm-hmm. so you know that these characters are going to get murdered yeah is there a, a sense in these kind of films that that um you know teenagers are taking part in their own kind of subjugation their own kind of like you know if guilt plays a major role in the kind of freudian gaze mm. Is that where the guilt comes in, where teenagers are like, yeah, I really want to see these teenagers get murdered? Because if sex isn't guilty, then it's not sexy. Um, <laughs> no, no, I think that the the market like decides that teenagers are like the victim fodder for slasher films. Like, I don't think we've had good stories about teenage experience till like the last five years. Like eighth grade. Eighth grade, book smart. Like yeah, I know what you did last summer. <laughs> I don't think the teenage experience in terms of like the particular psyche of it and the socio-cultural space of like school is really tapped into till like yeah, cinema now. So I I don't think that um production companies were bothered about a realistic teenage experience. So it's not like these teenagers were wanting to go see their own subjugation. I'm sure they would have taken a more specific, funny, or like different level of depth story of their experience if it mm. had been on offer. But it wasn't on the bill in 1980, but not think, as far as I can see. But I think wasn't there a sense that maybe I'm just reviewing this now as a sort of someone who was born in the 90s, but. Wasn't there, I wonder if there was always a sense of sort of gratuitous comedy about Friday the 13th. Hmm. If I am, a t- if I am, you know, in that teenage couple going to see this movie, yeah. is there a sort of catharsis of some kind? Well, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's through identification with the characters because the characters were all like objectively like model beautiful. So maybe it was something matters, to do with to seeing people your age but way more beautiful than you get murdered like maybe that's the pleasure as a Mm, as opposed to like a direct identification like i don't think every single guy in the cinema felt like they matched up to kevin bacon (laughs) or the giddles felt like they matched up to the female characters like do you know what i mean so maybe it's like when we saw paris hilton get murdered in house of wax Wax. it was like haha like you're rich and like famous and you know privileged and I we're feel, getting to see you murdered i feel like i'm giving too much away about myself now or giving too much of a horrible insight to the inner workings of my mind or something but i don't know i just i just can't get rid of the idea that there's something in sex having an element of guilt to it especially when you're a western teenager you know brought up in the west with its legacy of of christianity you know that that there is a certain part of you when you're the guilt being played out in the part 
where they get murdered. Well, yeah, it be, but it's being played out internally in the in the viewer. You know what I mean? Because when you're 16, 17, 18, you know, you, you are having sexual desires or may have an active sex life. But there's a part of you that thinks it's wrong, you know? So then, sure. so then seeing that kind of, I guess, sublimated in some way on screen where that you're like, sex, oh, I like sex. Oh, but murder. Okay, that makes sense. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not saying... But then, but then I, I, so I wonder about that. You know, the idea of being able to get that catharsis, I guess. Yeah. With that sort of release of, you know, believing that sex is something desirable, but also... Wrong. Wrong. Being performed on screen wouldn't be validating of that fear in some sense, but almost a sort of a way of expelling it. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, I actually don't that's quite know cool. if it's directly relational to the sex. I think it's important that only Kevin Bacon and his girlfriend's character had sex. Mm. The other guys and the other girl all get murdered. Everyone gets murdered when they're alone. And I think it's more to do with the group think of your teenage life and how you're safer in a group you're safer just going along with the status quo there's this fear that you're about to begin your life alone you're gonna have to think for yourself and when they're off on their own that's when they get murdered except alice and for some reason she's the most kind of nerdy like she succeeds on her own so maybe there is guilt that like if you waste your time partying or having sex you will struggle when you have to go alone like if you don't make some sort of sacrifice socially um your adulthood could be a little bit like Hmm. challenging yeah that's really interesting i just i know that i would have died very early in friday the 13th because um (laughs) if i had gone off to paint my warhammer uh yeah i I think it definitely does say like being well behaved is good but i don't know whether it says sex bad or maybe mrs Voorhees would have been like what are you doing you're painting what you're such oh my god what a sweet young boy (laughs) (laughs) um you know there was one thing else that really struck me about the film and that is we've kind of hinted at it uh, a lot which is that it is this kind of popcorn thriller screams movie you know what mm. i mean like a, a a jump scare type film supposedly yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were snoozing yeah, up no, i mean yeah yeah i guess i was you know but, but it seems to be that the reason anybody's going to see this film is because of the the killings or, or the sex scene or whatever you know but it just seems to there's the plot doesn't really get in the way there's not there's hardly any dialogue in it you know mm-hmm. there's characters aren't really building or anything it's forgettable there's nothing to care about it's just kind of ticking along and then it builds up to this one brilliant jump scare at the end which is very good you have to admit mm. um, it's i mean i think it's beautiful almost that, that it scene, really is that, beautiful that, the whole film is just can't a, tell if i was just working you know, up to that instead of you know are we haze. are we done uh, like with this kind of is a film like this ever going to come up again a film that seems to have been made on a total shoestring budget and yet still gets this kind of distribution it still ends up becoming a a, a franchise of something like franchise nine films of, of more than nine films roughly uh 12 or something oh my god a video a game TV series. a tv oh, yeah. series uh yeah are we ever going to see something else like this you know is this the kind of thing that could could this crop up on netflix or 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 is this just a bygone era i mean it would have to be like meta there would have to be comedy that's in it. the thing because ultimately yeah. like 
I, I just like a straight down the line jump scare film now is like dogmatic about it and like it doesn't allow for it to be fun it needs to be a little bit creative somehow you know I kind of I definitely lament that you know I, I'm I mourn the passing of Friday the 13th a wee bit you know because there's something really great about it's just simplicity but I find it hard I to enjoy it from 2020 really like, yeah I don't think that like it's a film for me to enjoy. Like, mm. I think why, the, I didn't find that? it thrilling. Like, it, it didn't. It it was thrilling to me because I can imagine somebody getting a camera, getting a handful of actors, renting out a you know an out of season New Jersey uh, campsite, and making a bloody film. You know, like there's there's a real sense of grittiness to this film to me. I'm trying I to love. Think, yeah, I'm trying to think of other films that maybe came to mind while I was watching it. And I think those those films were also, you know, these films where people just sort of decided to pick up a camera. Didn't really care that they that their film didn't really have a plot. Yeah. And then just made something. You know, and it's only it's only an hour and a and hour whatever. And a half, it's an hour and a half yeah, long yeah. because there's that scene where um Alice barricades herself into the into her mm-hmm. cabin and mm-hmm. they just like let it roll for 10 minutes just like you can imagine the, the director just going yeah, yeah keep finding more stuff <laughs> yeah tie tie the knot That's she good. does it in such a frantic way at first but then as the shock was on you're like wait she had fucking loads of time she should organize the stuff better because it's all like falling off i'm she like didn't know that mate you had like 20 minutes like you could have built five minutes later she tower. undoes it all yeah it, it has no purpose in the film. Yeah. Like, it's, it's kind of an anti-movie. Like, and I, I love it for that, you know? Like like what we said with Steve going away and, you know... Getting a cup of coffee. Getting a cup of coffee, coming back, yeah. you're like, oh, here comes Steve. He's going to bring the pain. <laughs> no, he I, died. I think, wow. I think I felt that lack of material, though, in, in the way that they were trying to just run out the film. It felt like and, one cut of the dead to me. And that's what, like, annoyed me about it. Like... It just that I was having to sit through it like shots that weren't really important yeah. or you know like having seen one cut of the dead though, could you not kind of imagine the director like behind the camera well, the way you put it you know, I don't know. people literally passing Alice stuff to yeah. barricade the door yeah 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 <laughs> But they couldn't because then they would have been on film, so they would have had to be like pointing at various things, you know. So then you enjoy like the ambient production of this film. You don't enjoy the film. I think. I mean, that's that's true. I. I, But I find it really hard to separate those two things. Like when I when I watch this film, I just see the plagued production. You know, not not that it was plagued. The sort of the half-assed production. But there's. I can't help but think that there's just a kind of purity to that. That. I don't see a lot of ha- half-assed art <laughs> that makes a lot of money. There's a purity to that. that but that, but that's yes. the, that's, but that's the thing you're asking, Connor. Is that like I can, don't could we so. ever expect this to happen today? Like, yeah. half-assed art to make films, a lot of money. These films yeah. are still made. You and I, Connor, you and I watched the beginning of Zombievers. Those these films are still being made. 
But Zombievers didn't make a lot <laughs> of money. Bad example. I love the first document about this. Oh, no. I, I don't, we didn't get through Zombievers. You, neither of you told me about this. You didn't invite me. This is mad. I think we did. And I think you immediately like, exited the viewing no. space. Yeah. You saw Bill no, but what I'm, what I'm saying, like, what I'm saying I'm is out. these films that are absolutely half-assed yeah. come from a, presumably a good place. Mm are still happening right but can we imagine any of those films ever taking on the magnitude the cultural magnitude that friday the 13th did hmm. i, mean, I guess we'll what did it take what happened like well I don't i'm know, curious man. now about the, some of the sequels are they better like did people well part three is the one where he's, fit into place part three is the one where he's got the hockey mask so, you know, part three is right, worth right. watching because it's a, a bit of fun. But I had one final question. Um, why the hell did they kill that snake? Oh, my God. Why did they kill? Well, I mean, I think that links directly to the question, to the last, yeah. your last comment. They they wanted to show a scene of someone killing a snake. So they, they did. They, um, they had planned for the whole thing to be special effects. I read about it. So they planned for the whole thing to be special effects. And then... Like so, they, what the, the snake slept with someone's wife or something, and then they were like, "We must kill it." It like, was a hit. What possible justification is there oh, it was for like, killing um, the snake? Oh, it's like just Brandon Lee. Um, do a rubber snake and chop they, it. They like, were gonna do what? that. So the the idea was like, we'll, we'll film the real snake, and then we film him chopping the rubber snake. But then the actor just didn't get the memo, basically, and chopped the real chopped the real snake. Chopped the real snake. He did it. Huh? Who did it? The, which what? Uh, which actor? Oh, uh, I'm not sure what his name is, but the the guy's name is Bill. So yeah, Bill. Bill killed the snake, and apparently you can hear if you. You shouldn't be working if you're that stupid. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Be like oh. Mrs. Oh, Voorhees. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll just check and see what they want me to do. Nah, I'll just go ahead and chop this live animal in half. Yeah. See, that sounds like it may have been an accident. No, well, yeah. It was, it that was sounds a- like it may have been someone mistaking a real snake for a rubber one, which is admittedly very stupid. Mm, I think he just got carried away in the heat of the moment. But apparently, mm. apparently, Acting. if you have the original, um, an original cut of the film and you turn up the volume really, really loud, you can hear after the thunk of the, the machete, yeah. you can hear the snake handler off. Oh, my God. Off to the side like screaming that's no yeah jesus yeah because he had no idea so i i actually think the reason why i can't like this film from 2020 is because like snakes are adorable on the internet and i like have to look back at this archive of a a gorgeous wee snake getting chopped in half and it's like how can i not detest this film like it's unforgivable to me Good question. I think that's the thing. Snakes are adorable. Friday the 13th, unforgivable. Snakes are adorable. So what are we doing next week? Heather O'Donnell. Oh my God, is it me? It is indeed. Um, No idea. It'll be a surprise. I have an idea. (laughs) I have an idea. What do you think about this? What if we did salad fingers? No. Oh, holy shit. The whole series? Yeah. Oh, we could do... I would do that. Is that going to be your week? I could do that. If you didn't want to do that, Heather, I could do that. You do that. Um, <laughs> I, you do that. I still want to try find the Sadako film. I'll try again. Uh, this podcast, White Whale, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to... 
do the YouTube curse film. We will try. We'll try. It's my right, white so wheel. Next yeah. week, hopefully oh, be back with Sadako or, or something else. Um, but other than that, yeah, please like and subscribe. Um, we had a strange dip in listenership last week, but hopefully we can get over that again. It's um, because everyone's out drinking and partying during a pandemic. That's probably it. We also had our first comment. Thank you. Um, I, we're not interested in purchasing a Russian bride, but um, we, we appreciate the comment nonetheless. Speak for yourself. We also understand why you <laughs> interpreted us as people that would want that. Um, so, and anybody but who you is were wrong. listening, thank you so much for listening to the whole podcast. Yeah. It's, it's really great. And uh, see you next time. Bye. We love you. Laters. Bye.